0: Man, I'm so excited to be here with y'all. Did you hear about the uh, rabbit and the rattlesnake that met in the woods? They looked at each other and they said, we don't have mirrors and we don't know what we look like. If you would explain to me what I look like, I'll explain to you. Rattlesnake said, let me go first. They looked at him and said, now you're fuzzy all over. You have these big, beautiful, soft ears, and your nose moves up and down. You've got this big, white, fluffy tail. And the bunny rabbit went, yes, yes, I'm a bunny rabbit. I'm a beautiful bunny rabbit. And Rattlesnake said, "I, I, I really, I, I'm dying for you to do this to me. What do what you see in me? And the little rabbit looked and said, you have beady little eyes. You're slick all over and you're covered with diamonds, and the rattlesnake went, yeah, I'm a televangelist. All right, well, I'm I, an evangelist, but I'm not one of those, all right? <laughs> oh, my, it's so good to be back here at Pitts with your precious staff, and Uh, I, I will tell you this, I've really enjoyed your men. Ladies, thank you for loaning them to us for this weekend. It's been a wonderful time. And as much as I've enjoyed your men and your pastor and the staff... I can't wait to get home to see my bride. I uh, she's a whole lot prettier than your pastor, but uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I I, uh, I am looking forward to to seeing my bride this afternoon. She wanted you to know that she is praying for you. The information that you had, I wish you'd take it home. Don't just discard it. Read it. Pray for us. Uh, We're in the largest transition we've ever been in our ministry, I believe, to do the greatest things we've ever done in our ministry. Follow it up on the website. See uh, the great things that God is doing. Pray for all of our events coming up. We have a big Daughters of the King event for uh, middle school, high school, and college age girls. We have a, a great day called Mighty Men of Valor, March 28th. My friend, Dr. Johnny Hunt, will be back speaking for us that day. Just a great day of outdoor activities for men. Uh, much like what you did yesterday and, uh, and then all of our camping and summer camp programming, you pray that way. I want you to take one thing out of that pack and utilize it this morning. <clears throat> it's the the card in that pack that says, who's your one? I just want you to hold on to that pack <clears throat> or that card through the message. Uh, I, I know you know some of, of the the passion behind who's your one. Uh, God is using Brother Johnny Hunt in a powerful way going all across this nation to spread the passion of reaching one person with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe we're going to utilize that some this morning. If you have in your Bible Hebrews chapter 4, it's the very passage that uh, we've been settled in on all weekend long, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, a verse that's very familiar to most of you, Hebrews 4. In verse number 12. Do you have that in your Bible? And if you don't, it uh, might be on the screen, I don't know. But Hebrews 4 and verse number 12, a great verse. If you're physically able, out of the reverence, of the reading of God's word that radically changes lives, could you just rise to your feet as I read this one passage to you this morning out of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12? The Bible says for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Before you're seated, listen to this careful. God identifies the word of God with the sword. I've shown the men this weekend, the Gladius, the two-edged Roman sword that those men understood were, were brutal weapons of warfare. The Bible says in Ephesians 6:17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He identifies this great and mighty sword, the Word of God, as something that cuts deep and does the work. The Bible will answer every spiritual and every moral question you ever ask. It was amazing. I, I turned the TV on in the motel this morning and listened to Dr. Stanley, and Dr. Stanley was Talking about the power of the Word of God and how it will answer every question. The truth is, when we open the Bible, indeed God speaks to us, and ninety percent of the will of God for my life and your life is clearly recorded in the Word of God. Now, with that as the foundation, I want you to be seated, and I want you to give me the next few moments of your life, and let's just concentrate as we try to maybe maybe bring to a conclusion what God has been doing in our hearts this weekend and what. What a privilege it's been to be with you and be a part of this. But the question that that came in my mind when I began to prepare for this weekend was the simple question of how in the world do I take the knowledge of the Word of God and put it into practice in my life? How do I take this incredible, inspired, inerrant truth from God Almighty and how do I take the truth of that word and put it into my life? Do I really believe that this book will answer every spiritual and every moral question that I ever ask? As I began to read, I read John 13, 17, and Jesus looked at his people there that day, his men, and he said, happier ye if you do these things. Now, it's not that you have to do things to get saved, but once you're saved, the joy comes in following the truth of the Word of God, doing what God says. There is no power, there is no victory outside of honoring what the Word of God says. Jesus was troubled, and he looked at uh, people of his day in John chapter 6 and verse 67, and he made the saddest statement, I think, that Jesus possibly could have made. He looked at them, and he said, Hey, will you also go away? Let's take a quick survey. How many of you know somebody that at one time seemed to have a a resemblance or a passion for Christ? They seemed to have a deep love for Jesus Christ. And today, they are miles away from that one that they once had a passion for. Anybody in this room know somebody like that? Listen, Jesus would look out today if he were here with us and he would say, Listen, I'm begging you. Will you also go away? Or will you find a way to allow the Word of God to become practical in your life? to where you'll do great and mighty things i have been blown away all weekend long by how so much of what has happened has feathered together with the thoughts that god's laid on my heart for this weekend you know jeremiah that old testament prophet in jeremiah 20 and verse number nine he said but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones how in the world does that happen when I began to work on this message, I called a friend of mine, and, and he said, Neil, I've got something you need to, you need to use. You know, you, you open this book, and you begin to read it, and you see the pages of the, the, the power and the majesty of God. And what God begins to do is rather amazing. He takes the Word of God, and it's like a little, just a little flame, just a, a little flicker. And all of a sudden, that little flicker begins to burn, and it begins to glow. And it set a flame in our bones. And the question that I often ask when I'm reading the Bible is, God, if Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, could say, His word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Lord, how in the world do I take the word of God and allow it to burn in my bones? How do those pages come alive in my life? And that ought to be the cry of every believer. Lord, set me ablaze for the cause of Jesus Christ. Uh, don't call their name, but how many of you know somebody that has a head full of knowledge and they're no earthly good? You ever met one of those people? Uh, I've been around many of them. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8:1, knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. What I want from the truth of the word of God once I'm saved is I want a life that exemplifies the love of Jesus Christ. I don't want a head full of knowledge and an empty heart. I want a heart that is a flame blazing like, like the prophet of old time, you know the verse. You understand the verse. It's in James. He says, "Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only." And then he goes on and says, "But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty—by the way, that's the word of God—whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work Watch the last words. This man, the Bible said, shall be blessed in his deed. There's not a person in this auditorium that wouldn't enjoy a blessing from God this morning. There's not one of us that don't need a touch of God in our life this morning. And God said, Neil, it's in the Word. Now, I want you to find Luke 24 in your Bible, if you will. Luke 24. What what has already transpired? The Savior has stepped out of heaven's glory. He was placed in the womb of a virgin named Mary, conceived by the Holy Ghost. He's lived a sinless life. He's come to the end of his earthly road. He's been brutally beaten. His blood has been splattered all over the cobblestones of that region. He's walked to the top of Golgotha's hill. At the top of that hill, no Roman soldier had to spread his arms. He came to die. He was born in the shadow of the cross, and he willingly stretched out his arms. And there they drove the spikes in his wrist and the spikes in his feet and the blood that dripped from his brow with the thorns and the side that was pierced as he hung on the cross. And there on that cross he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There Jesus Christ gave up his life. I said it last night. The Romans didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. The Gentiles didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. My sin didn't kill him. You didn't kill him. He willingly gave up his life on that cross so we could be set free. So my sin could be forgiven. He willingly became my sin bearer on that cross. He went to the grave and they thought it was done. The disciples were discouraged. The demons cheered. But all of a sudden on the morning of the third day. By the way, if you don't have an excited bone in your body, fake it right now. On the morning of the third day, he got up out of that grave and he is alive. And he walked around for some 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, he ascended up into heaven. And the voice echoed this same Jesus, which ye see going up into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. Prior to him ascending to heaven, he's already been crucified. He's already gone to the grave. He's already risen again. And here we are in Luke 24. Look at verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened unto us, what does your Bible say those last words are? The scriptures. Look in Luke 24, 45. Then opened he, that's Jesus, their understanding that they might, the Bible says, understand the scriptures. Preacher, what we need is a fresh love affair for the Word of God. What we need is a passion to get into this book and find the truth of what God has said in our lives and to to help us. And by the way, this I I I love my woman. My my bride is the most godly Christian I've ever met in this walk of life. I have never met a person that walks any closer to Jesus, my bride. I love her. You look at that prayer card, I am living proof. Ugly men can marry good looking women. There's hope for a lot of you single guys up there. all right. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm living proof. Uh, but boy, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the passion of my bride and the love of my bride, you know what I've seen her do? By the way, how many of you ladies have a closet full of nothing to wear? Now I know I know the routine because I've got a daughter. All right, uh, the, you walk to that closet and you pick something up and you put it on. You throw it down. You pick something else up. You put it on. You throw it down. You pick something. Up. And finally, sometime in the journey of your preparation before your mirror of beauty, you find what you're going to wear that day. All right, I'm not belittling you, but you know what I've watched my wife do so many times. I watched her walk up to the closet and bow her head and say, Lord. What do you want me to wear today? And reach out and pull the hanger out and put it on. Preacher, every time I see that, I think about the God that cares enough about us to allow his word to burn within our heart, but to care about what we put on today. To care about where we go today, to care about where we spend our money today, to care about how we treat our children or our parents, to care about how we love our wives, to care about how we conduct our business. This God wants to be in every aspect of your life. But the amazing thing to me about this great God, look in Luke 24, verses 46 through 48. It, It astounds me how complicated we have made the gospel. Jesus is about to ascend up. It's about the time when he steps out of this world and goes back to to prepare a place for us. But listen to some of his last words to those of us that will hear. Luke 24, verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Watch this phrase now. And that repentance... And remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning first, the Bible says, at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Stop right there. Jesus cried out after he had gone through the trauma and the brutality of the crucifixion, and he said, I want you to know there's one mission one mission that you and i have one passion that we ought to carry and that one passion is to preach and to teach and to tell and to share repentance and remission of sins because i the sinless son of god have paid the supreme price you know the bible says in luke 19 10 for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost a long time ago, I had a professor that said, if you ever do anything in your ministry that, that is not totally centric around Luke 19.10, throw it out. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, I want to challenge us about a few simple things this morning concerning this great Savior. First of all, I beg you, I beg you, I plead with you, make sure that you are His, Can you you imagine being 99% sure that you are saved and opening your eyes in hell? Can you imagine that? I was was preaching not long ago in a church and and a a couple that the pastor had identified to me as a bedrock member, husband and wife of the church. The the wife came forward and she began to weep. The staff was all dealing with people at the altar. And I just went down and I took her hand I said, ma'am, she was 80 something years old. I said, ma'am, what's wrong? She said, preacher, I have never repented of my sins. I've been in this church all my life, but I've never come to Christ broken about my sins. I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. I opened my Bible just like I would with a young child and I showed her and there that woman bowed her head and she called on Christ and man I was was about to explode and all of a sudden I looked behind her and her husband sometime in that process had come forward and he had his hand on her shoulder and his hand was trembling and i said sir i said it's amazing what your wife just acknowledged and her need was to make sure that she knew christ and to know christ and she just trusted christ and got saved and this is what he said he said neil i've been a deacon in this church for 40 years he said i've had every office and taught every class that a man could teach in this church but i have never repented of my sins i'm lost I'm lost and I pulled him right up next to his wife and shared the same scriptures and there that man in his 80s a leader a deacon what people would consider a godly man made sure that he knew 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 he belonged to Jesus Christ my Bible says in 1st John 5 11 through 13 and this is the record by the way that's the Word of God and this is the record that God had given us eternal life and this life is in his son he that has the son hath life and he that hath not the son of god hath not life these things have i written unto you that believe on the name of the son of god here it is that ye may know k-n-o-w with great confidence with great assurance you can know that you have eternal life i was preaching a camp for young people in uh oklahoma and uh one of the kids that was there I'm ancient. I I call them blue chip players. I don't know what they are today. He was the the premier high school athlete in Oklahoma. And we were playing a pickup softball game. And he was at the plate. And he he hit the ball. And he ran to first. And he cut off to the right like you do if you're not going to take another base. And as soon as he took a step to the right, he dropped down and fell face first. An aneurysm had exploded in his brain. And right there at that camp in Oklahoma, he died right there on the ball field. Once again, it was brought to my reality, you don't know when your last day is. When that kid picked up that bat, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to die in 30 steps. He was thinking, I'm going to college. I've got offers all over the nation. I can play ball the rest of my life. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you have come to Christ in repentance, broken about the ugliness of your sin, and by faith trusted Jesus Christ? I heard a doctor went into a hospital room, and he said, sir, I've got some terrible news for you. He said, what's that? He said, you're going to die. And the man said, I'm going to die. How long do I have? And the doctor said, 10. And he said, 10, what, 10 days, 10 months, 10 weeks, 10 years? What do I have? And the doctor said, (laughs) nine. Do you know the reality and the truth is we're headed there? And eternity is too long to be wrong. And I beg you that you embrace what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit of God, the Word of God says, your mom can't tell you you got saved, your dad can't tell you you got saved, our pastoral staff can't tell you you got saved, I can't tell you you got saved. That is between you and the Savior alone, do you know? By the way, you know what I know? I'm a a rookie at this, but I've, I've been preaching 41 years this year. And I see in eyes as I scan this auditorium, there's many people with question marks in your heart. Have I ever really come to Christ on his terms? Do I really know him? Preacher, I'd plead with the precious people here. Why would you walk out of this door and have something as eternal and significant as eternal life not settled? Repentance is an urgent call. And if I read my Bible right, there will be a day when it will be too late to repent. You and I don't know that there will be other days, but what real repentance does is it brings peace. I read two quotes, preacher. These both were so uh, impacting in my thought life on this series. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, instead of quitting sin and mourning over it, some men talk of praying. Do you know there's nowhere in the Word of God that says if you pray, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. There is nowhere in the Word of God that says if you pray that prayer, you're going to heaven. There's a brokenness about our sin. There's a mourning over the ugliness of our sin and realizing that Christ came. Listen to what John Bunyan said. How many are there who get into our churches and obtain the title brother, a saint, a member of the congregation that have clean escaped repentance? Have you ever come to that place of broken repentance? By the way, how many of you run a prostitution rink here in Charlotte? that's good unlike the meth lab the other day there's not many here all right you know what you don't have to run a a prostitution rink or have a meth lab in your basement to be a sinner the bible says in acts 3 and 19 repent ye therefore and be converted that word converted literally is the 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 phrase or of a changed life have you ever been changed If your faith has not changed you, it well could be because you have never really received the real faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. He changes lives day by day. I beg you to start with know that you know that you know that you know you're His. And by the way, people all over this auditorium have a divine appointment this morning. God brought you here. You say, no, He didn't. Yes, He did. And you have a chance to settle that in just a few moments and I would plead with you that you do. But once you settle that, what you and I need to do is say, God, give me a hunger for the Word of God. By the way, they like to killed me yesterday. They fed me a breakfast meal for, for royalty and then came back last night and my goodness, that meal was so good it would make your tongue beat your brains out. I mean, it was delicious. All of the food was outstanding and incredible. But you know what? I, I've got to say, God... I want a hunger for the Word of God more than I want a hunger for earthly food. I'm going to give you some bad news. The Methodist pastors all over Charlotte right now are praying and dismissing their congregations. They've already beat you to the restaurant, all right? It's a, it's, uh, uh, you lose, all right? God, help me. Oh, God, help me to have a hunger for your Word. You see, a hunger in the Word of God, once you get saved, it's a discipline. God said, that little flame is there, but what I want to do is I want you to hunger for my Word and let my Word be set ablaze deep within your soul. Job, in the heat of all of his trauma... where he was was literally distraught. He had lost everything that had any significance to him. He's sitting on a pile of ashes and has a sharp, jagged object, and he's ripping the heads off the agonizing boils on his body. And in the midst of all that, Job cries out and said, I have esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Oh, God, give me a hunger like that. Matthew 5 and 6 said, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. I think I shared this with the men. Uh, My kids are all grown, and and man, what what a neat time to watch them grow and go away. By the way, did you hear about the college kid that graduated from college and he said man it's so good to be a graduate from college now i don't have to call dad and ask him for money i just have to walk up the basement steps and ask him for money that's not what you want right there all right that's not what you want now listen oh god give me a hunger for the word of god i uh our our kids all grew up got married went off and uh and started popping grandbabies A guy told me after those grandbabies started being born, he said, I'm going to warn you. I said, what's that? He said, your grandbabies will cost you more than your kids did. I passed out at that moment. All right, no, no. Thank God for them. So Sue and I sort of got lonely and we lost our mind and we decided that we would adopt two six month old boys. What a crazy thing. Their names are Buck and Boaz. They're white Labrador retrievers. We adopted them at six months old. They're now five years old. They each weigh about 85 pounds. Buck is my dog. He's the hunting dog. Boaz is my precious bride's dog, and he's stupid. Uh, Just... But, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm going to get home this afternoon. They'll meet me at my truck. They always do. They meet me in my truck, both their noses sit in my lap. They've got to be loved on. their incredible dogs. Every morning, I get up early, and I walk out of my place. And, and our little garage is about as far from our front door as to your front door of the church. And when I, when I go to that front door, I walk out in the morning. They're there. Now, Buck, my hunting dog, he's my duck dog. He's got a training buoy out in the yard. He'll run immediately and find that trained buoy. He'll come back with that buoy in his mouth. If you ever known a Labrador, they don't wag their tail. They wag their body. And he's got, that, he's got that buoy in his mouth, and his whole body's wagging back and forth, and he's excited. But you know, my wife's dog, Boaz, he turns into an 85-pound Labrador retriever ballerina, and he jumps up. And what, who, do I have any ballet people here? Is it called a, a, a period? Is that right? Close. Uh, all right, all right, close. That dog, 85 pounds, from my front door to the garage door jumps up and spins in the air and lands back down and jumps up and spins in the air and lands back down. He'll do that 15 times between my front door and the garage. And you know why they're doing it? For one cup of old Roy dog food. <laughs> and, I, you know, you laugh and so do I. Every time I see Buck and Boaz doing that, for a cup of old, Roy dog food, I think, oh, God, would you give me a hunger for this book like my Labradors have for a cup of dog food? Had a friend get saved, preacher is neat. God flipped his world upside down, much like mine. And one year to the date of his salvation, he called a buddy of mine. He said, man, I just want you to know today I've been saved for one year, and I finished my Bible. And my friend said, I said, man, that's incredible. You read the whole Word of God. The next phrase out of that man's mouth was, for the 16th time. One year. One year. Oh, God. Help me to know that I'm yours. Oh God, please help me to have a hunger for your word. And then I began to think about this just this morning. It wasn't really in my my sights until I listened to Dr. Stanley this morning. I need to humble myself and say, oh God, teach me to pray according to the word of God. You know most of you have uttered a prayer in this room but are you aware that if we utter a prayer and it cannot be validated by the truth of the word of God it is a ungodly a sinful prayer we pray by the word of God we pray the word of God we pray by saying God humble me to know the word of God enough to pray according to your will I'm going to see how smart you are in Charlotte North Carolina Now, I I live in Mouth of Wilson, Virginia. I can tell you that we are a community of intellectuals because we can do this. I'm going to see if you can. Would you please spell the word bold? I'm a little bit worried about you all. You need to come to Mouth of Wilson, all right? You spell the word bold, B-O-L-D. Can I take that simple word and take a a, a letter from the word, each, each letter, and make an acronym for that and say, God, I want to be bold. Lord, help me first be to believe the word of God. Listen, it's not always easy to believe what he says. It's not always easy to comprehend the greatness of God. My pastor was preaching a few weeks ago and I was able to be there and he said this. He said, any God that you can completely understand is not God that's big enough to worship he's bigger than we are God help me to believe the word of God the Bible said as we read this morning the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword God help me not only to believe the word of God but God help me to obey the word of God please hear this I say this so often when I'm preaching to young people you know biblical obedience is immediate anything else is sinful when God speaks, that's when we're to respond. And I need to say, God, not only help me to believe the word of God, but Lord, help me to obey the word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to my word, with my whole heart have I sought Thee, Oh, let me not wander from my commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What do you need to obey God about? Is your salvation? Is there a question mark in your heart about that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know? Is there sin in your life as a believer? My friend Johnny Hunt always says, are you walking in a guilty distance? Is there some kind of sin? i got to tell this story. My wife is a very refined lady. Nobody can believe that she would marry me. Uh, She's dignified. She's refined. She's elegant. And I about fell out of my chair. We went to someone's home to eat a meal one night and man it was a fabulous meal and we ate the meal and enjoyed it all and then the lady brought out these beautiful little trays of jello after for a a light dessert at the end and and this is my refined dignified incredibly elegant wife she she took a spoonful of the jello and put it in her mouth now hold on have you ever said something that you'd give anything if you could pull it back immediately ever been there Without even thinking, my precious bride said, "Ooh, there's junk in my jello." Now my wife has a problem that I don't have. Things have to feel right in her mouth for her to enjoy it. The only thing that's got to work with me is if I can get it in my mouth. I'm gonna enjoy it, all right. And before my precious bride even realized what she, there was fruit in the jello, and she said, "Ooh." There's junk in my jello. And then she blushed, bless her heart, and she about crawled under the table and tried to apologize. And I laughed because I knew what she was saying. The texture wasn't right. But you know the truth of this? Look at me. There's junk in our jello. And we got to get it out. And we can't do it on our own. Repentance not only belongs to lost people to be saved, but for saved people to be right. Is there sin you need to get right this morning? Why don't you settle it? Suppose he were to come back tonight. Wouldn't you want a clean slate with him? Maybe some of us say, God, help me to obey the word, help me to read this Bible. I've challenged the men this weekend. I gave them a Bible reading program. 365 days, they can read every word in the Word of God. An average reader of the Bible can read the Bible in 80 hours. That comes out to about 14 minutes a day where we can spend in the Word of God and read the entire Word of God. I beg you, some of you need to say, man, I've made that vow, that commitment hundreds of times, but I've never followed through. Why don't you obey the Word of God immediately and begin to read it? Believe, obey, learn from examples of His Word. You know, when you're reading your Bible in 1 Corinthians ten eleven it says, Now these things happened unto them for examples. When I read my Bible, I see incredible people like Mary. Ladies, I can't even comprehend this. How God would reach out and choose one woman in all of history to bear the Christ child. What an incredible lady. I read men in my Bible like Joshua. He's one of the few men that you don't see negative character f- uh, uh, flaws written in him about the Word of God. What a man. But you know what? I have a little trouble relating to Mary, and I have a little trouble relating to Joshua because I'm messed up. By the way, if you got it all together and there's no sin in your life today, let me tell you what you are you're a liar. We all have problems so God put the bad and the ugly in the Word of God. Now, I'm not proud of this preacher, but I can relate to Abraham and his lying. I can understand a little bit about David and his his draw to adultery, or Paul and his murders, or Peter and his denying. And what I need to do is say, God, would you give me a hunger, a fire for the Word of God, and let me learn from the examples in the Word of God so I don't go down those paths and have that pain. Finally, By the way, I told the men, when a Baptist preacher says, finally, that's the biggest lie any preacher ever tells, all right? (laughs) Finally, believe, obey, learn from the examples. And then finally, and I beg you, declare his word. Can, Can I ask a question right now? How many of you know somebody that you love, you care about? It's a family member, a son, a daughter, a mom, a dad, a parent, a grandparent. It could be a neighbor. It could be your neighbor on the right, the left, the front, behind. It could be a a work associate. It could be someone in your family. I don't know. How many of you know someone, if the Lord came back right now, they'd be left behind, or if they died, they'd open their eyes in hell? Would you raise your hand right now? Hold them up high. Preacher, would you look across this auditorium at the number? Balcony, hands are up all over the balcony. Can I beg you? Will you take this simple, simple little card? Who's your one? Preacher, I'm not talking about winning a nation to Christ. I'm not talking about winning a country to Christ. I'm not talking about winning a state to Christ, nor a city to Christ, nor a community, nor a neighborhood. I'm talking about having a burden to win one person in the next 12 months to Jesus Christ. I want you to begin to ponder, who is that one person? Would you be willing to write their name down on this card? Kevin, I want to tell you something, you you know this, you've heard me preach enough. When I got saved, nobody in my family knew the Lord, nobody. Mom, dad, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents, nobody. I, I I was a literal example of an American pagan, knew nothing about the Word of God. Over the years, it's been so neat watching. My bride lead many of them to Christ. I've had the privilege to lead many of them to Christ. But you know, there's one in my family that every time I stand up and preach, my heart breaks for. And that's my daddy. He's 89 years old. He's never been saved. If he died today, he'd open his eyes in hell. He's a self-made man. He's a hard-working man. He thinks he's got it all together on his own. And every time I stand up and preach, literally I close my eyes and I see my daddy's face. You want to know who's on my card? It's my daddy. I wonder how many of you have a daddy that needs the Lord, a mother that needs the Lord, a husband, wife that needs the Lord, a son or daughter that needs the Lord, a neighbor. Will you spend a second right now And just write that one name down on your card. You have somebody? Will you write it down? Will you ponder it? Will you think about it? As you're writing it down, the Bible says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God promised he would empower us. This card that they laid out, it has scriptures that you can pray every day of the month for that person that is lost. You can keep that little little card in your Bible as a reminder daily when you go to the Word to pray for them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 3, and 4, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that's Satan, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, lest they believe the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. I beg you to hear what Psalms 126, 5, and 6 say in the Word of God. It says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy, and he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed, that's the Word of god shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his season with him can i tell you when i have the privilege of seeing my daddy saved you're going to hear the shout from mouth of wilson virginia and you ought to believe god and beg god and you say well what happens if i lead him to christ before 12 months then get another one and go after them. Man, what a joy. Listen, church growth is not because a church split down the road and we get new members. Church growth is because we see new people born into the family of God and we help them follow in believers baptism and we begin to let them grow and then they go and reach a lost and dying world. Let me let me conclude. Oh God, help me to have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. What changes do you want me to make? Lord, help me. I, I don't know how to make these changes. Lord, I want to make right biblical decisions in my life. Lord, what scriptures can I memorize so I can walk with you? Here's the beauty. The Word of God is a sword, and it cuts. Stanley, Dr. Stanley said this this morning. He said, you know the reason people don't like the Bible? It's because the Bible reveals our sin. Couldn't be said any plainer than that. The sword cuts, and preacher, what it does is it cuts to remove anything that doesn't glorify Christ in my life. Could it be that you have a bad attitude, a closed mind, a lustful heart, a rebellious spirit? Are you a hypocrite? I was in our Walmart the other week, and guy came up to me, and I said, hey, man, I'm preaching close, and I wish you'd come. He said, I'm not going to that church It's full of hypocrites. And I know I'm supposed to be kind as a preacher. And I said, well, buddy, you just leave your cart right here, and you get out of Walmart because Walmart's full of hypocrites, and you don't ever buy groceries in here again. He went, oh. Are you a hypocrite? Are you filled with greed? Maybe there's hatred in your heart. Is there lack of forgiveness? Is there negativity in your life? Why don't you bring it to him today and let the Word of God cut it out? And then what he does is he puts the the healing balm of the truth of the Word of God on you. And then I believe he reaches up to Rahab's window and grabs that red cord that indicated the blood. And he stitches you back up and you're better than you've ever been before. He can heal your loneliness, your depression, your confusion, your discouragement, your defeated attitude, and your frustration. And remember, as I started, John 13, 7, happier ye if you do them. Could we rise to our feet and bow our heads and hearts in prayer? Pastor, staff, would you guys come with me this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Music might softly begin to play in just a moment. Your staff is looking on because they love you. They care about you. They've given their life so they can either see you saved or help you grow as a born-again believer. How many people are here this morning and you could honestly say, by the way, you could lie to me, you could lie to your pastor, you could lie to your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, but nobody can lie to an all-knowing, all-seeing all-powerful, all-present, all-holy God. How many of you are here this morning and you could honestly say, Preacher, if I were to die right now, I know that I know that I know that I know there has been a clear time where I have seen the dirty, ugly vileness of my sin and I ran to Christ in repentance and I told him how sorry I was. And I asked him into my heart. Now listen, and you could honestly say I am one hundred percent sure—not ninety-nine. I am one hundred percent sure that I have been saved. If I were to die before the sun set tonight, I'm going to heaven. If Christ were to come back in the morning, I will not be left behind. And you're here right now, just humbly—only if you're a hundred percent sure that you've come to Christ on His terms. Could you just slip your hand up and hold it high? Don't dare lift it if you're not sure. Please, please don't lift it if you're not sure. Take your hands and put them down. Only to those that just lifted your hand, only to those would you look at me. What is he telling you about the Word of God this morning? Does it burn within your bones? Do you need to get the junk out of your jello? Do you need, Do you need a passion for the Word? I beg you in a moment in this invitation, this altar is wide open and we can find a place. And if you can't kneel, there's benches on the front. And we can just do business with the Holy God concerning the everlasting, eternal, inspired Word of God. Bow your head if you would. Preacher, this thrilled me even more. There were so many people in this room, both on the floor and in the balcony, that were honest. They were not gonna lift their hand. You don't know. Oh, you've done everything we as preachers have told you to do. You've walked aisles, prayed prayers, had emotional moments, gone through catechisms and confirmations, taken communion. You've, You've been baptized. You've done it all. But there's a question mark in your heart. You know what's so beautiful, preacher? the Lord is lovingly knocking at your door saying, let's settle it. Let's quit living in doubt and confusion. Let's settle it this morning. If you're here and you're honest enough and unable to lift your hand that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, why not right there where you stand? You call out to Christ. By the way, nobody in this auditorium has to hear it. He hears the heart. It's not the words you pray. It's the intention of your heart. You say, well, do I need to make it public? That'll come later. But if you're not sure it's not settled in your heart, why don't you, right now, as you stand there with your head bowed, I just, I just pulled out one of Dr. Graham's great tracks about step to peace with God. I'm just going to read this simple prayer that Dr. Graham used to see millions come to Christ. If it's not settled in your heart, right where you are right now, why don't you just pray to your God? Tell him that. I know that I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sin and ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is your Son. Tell him, man. I believe he died for my sins and that you raised him to life. Right now, just ask him. Say, I want him, that's Jesus, to come into my heart and take control of my life. I want to trust you right now, Jesus, as my Savior. And I want to follow you as my Lord. Maybe some of you, like me, you need to just bow right now and say, God, I am so ashamed of the wickedness of the sin in my life. I'm asking you right now, save me. Change me. Forgive me. And Right now, I'm going to ask you to pray the boldest prayer you'll ever pray in this walk of life. If you just ask Christ into your heart humbly pray this just say Lord help me not to be ashamed to follow you now pray that our pastor's with me and he's looking how many men, women, young people in this auditorium today would slip your hand up and say hey preacher I just asked the Lord into my heart and into my life and you'd stick your hand up and hold it high right now. Hold it high. Hold it high. Hold it high. God bless you, sir, down here on the front. Who else? Hold it high. Another one over here. Hold it high. Hold it high. Another one right here. Hold it high. Hold it high. To those of you that just did that, would you look at me right now? Just look at me. God bless. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. It's okay. Up there. God bless you guys in the balcony. It's okay. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me on the floor. It's okay. Would you do something right now? You've asked the Christ in. You've done what he has said. Now what you need is someone who will love you and help you to begin to grow. Each one of you that has just made that decision. I wonder right now while heads are bowed, would you just slip out and meet your pastor right here, right now, and just say, man, I had to settle it today. Come on right now. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Sir, God bless you. First one to move is a man in this room. Sir, God bless you. Another man to move. Staff, we'll need some help right now. Another precious man's moving right now. Who else? Who else? Anyone in the balcony needs to slip out of that balcony and just come down and let a staffer help you. And love on you and show you the decision that you have made and solidified today. If you've made that decision, I I beg you, to me or your staff today, make this thing public. Let us know what you've done. But right now, I want to change gears. How many of us in this room that are believers, the Lord has knocked on our heart's door about something from the Word of God this morning, and you'd hold your hand up and say, He's spoken to me this morning. Hold it up high. Hold it high. If you're a believer and your hand's up, why don't you drop your pride, lose the arrogance that we hold, and slip out of your seat right now and come on down. God bless you, young lady. I don't don't know what this precious woman's coming for. Why don't you slip out of your seat right now and just commit to God whatever he has spoken to you about concerning the word of God. Who are the Christians that need to come? They're coming from the balcony, all over. They're coming from the floor. How about you? Suppose this were the last chance we had right to just get things right with a holy God. Anyone else need to come? Begin to sing if you would, brother.